This is the Fantasy Football Podcast, where we take data and convert it into fantasy success. No bias, no hot takes, only victory. This is the Fantasy Alchemist Podcast, and now your host, Dustin Shandry. Welcome into the Dynasty Alchemist Podcast. This is Dustin Chandler. I'm recording on Friday evening, August 25th. And I'm intending to try and get a four-part series, four separate podcasts out uh, by next weekend before the Labor Day holiday where a majority of your fantasy redrafts uh, will occur. And the goal of this four-part series is kind of to go on the record with uh, some targets and some fades in both dynasty and redraft so imagine on the horizontal line you have fades players you want to avoid and on the other end you have targets players you want to either draft this year or acquire in dynasty and on the y side the vertical line uh, you have redraft and you have dynasty on, on each end right redraft single year Dynasty, year over year. Um, And then within each one of those four quadrants, we're going to have a set of players. So, for example, today, we're going to talk about the players you want to be targeting in both Dynasty and Redraft. These are going to be players uh, that I think from a Redraft standpoint are going to outperform their ADP and giving their age, their situation, their contract, what have you, because they're going to outperform their ADP, I think you're going to see a pretty sizable jump in their dynasty value over the next six months. Uh, So this will be the focus of today's episode. The other parts of the series, obviously, we'll look at um, players you want to avoid in both dynasty and redraft, and then you'll have a combination of players that you want to target in redraft but avoid in dynasty and vice versa players that you would want to target long term in dynasty but are avoiding this year in redraft but let's take a look today at the players you want to be targeting in both dynasty and redraft so i have 10 players in total that are going to be targets in both dynasty and redraft this year that's going to be two quarterbacks four wide receivers, two running backs, and two tight ends. So at quarterback, the two guys that I am absolutely targeting are right next to each other pretty consistently in ADP right now, and that's Anthony Richardson of the Colts, the rookie, at uh, quarterback 14, Geno Smith of the Seattle Seahawks right behind him at quarterback 15, So let's first focus on Anthony Richardson, the rookie quarterback selected fourth overall uh, during the last NFL draft by the Colts. Look, it's not hyperbole to say this is the most athletic prospect we have ever seen at this position. That's quantifiable by uh, player profiles data, right? They, they They have said by every available metric that we measure athleticism with, This guy is far and away the most athletic quarterback we have ever seen come out of college. Uh, And their their comp for um, Anthony Richardson is Josh Allen of the Bills, who's who's become one of the top players in the league and one of the top fantasy assets. On top of that, you know, the history of quarterbacks coming into the league 
who have this sort of rushing floor is still very, very favorable uh, from a redraft standpoint. Like I said, Anthony Richardson's going, you know, depending on if you're talking about a 10-team league or a 12-team league, he's going as a high to mid quarterback two. You're pretty safe with an insulated floor. This guy's already been named the starter for week one, right? You can look at Josh Allen's stats in his second year when he became the full-time starter, right? He passed for 3,000 yards, which is pretty close to what Anthony Richardson's passing prop is at right now. So he passed for 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, nine interceptions. He had 500 rushing yards, and he had nine rushing touchdowns. That put him at just short of 300 total points that season, which was sixth overall. Josh Allen was not very good from a passing standpoint, but when you add the rushing capability of six to eight touchdowns, 500 to 700 rushing yards, and then you add in the 2,800 to 3,000 passing yards, and obviously he's, he's going to get you know 15 to 20 passing touchdowns. At a floor, he may not be good on the field and help the Colts win this year, but because of the rushing, he's, he's, an, he's a fantasy asset, and he is a value at where he's currently going. And from a dynasty standpoint, he's already ranked as quarterback nine, and uh, if you're talking about super flex startup, you know, did a few of those over the summer pretty consistent consistently in the uh, early to mid second round from a startup standpoint. And look, like I said, the floor is very high with Richardson. He's going to be the starter again next year. That provides a lot of insulation to his value year to year, even if you don't quite like what you see from a passing standpoint. Right. Take Justin's field, Justin Fields, for example, wasn't a great passer last year, but because of the high floor on his rushing, He's still valued as a first-round startup quarterback in Superflex Dynasty. Right now, quarterback eight, and Richardson's right behind him at quarterback nine. So I think you're going to be pretty safe with Richardson as a target because this guy is going to, at a minimum, retain his value of where he's going right now. And I think most likely he's going to continue to climb an appreciation in his value uh, going into next year. And the second quarterback is clearly just Geno Smith. He, he was incredible last year and he continues to be disrespected part of that is just because there is so much depth at the quarterback position but I also think there's just a bias against Geno Smith right this is a guy who I guess in a sense busted when he came into the league as a second round pick he failed in New York then most people kind of thought of him as a journeyman backup and then he has this career resurrection last year with Seattle and he's named the starter but he was really good last year. It wasn't just kind of a fluky result from a fantasy standpoint. He was a legitimate, high-quality quarterback. PFF ranked him as a top-10 quarterback. And from a fantasy standpoint, he was fifth overall in total points scored on the season last year. And he was eighth on a point-per-game basis. Again, this is a guy in redraft who is, what I say, 15th overall right now in redraft? I mean, that's crazy, crazy value right now. And while he is 15th in redraft leagues... His current ranking within Dynasty right now is 21st. This is a guy who's still in his early 30s, just got a new three-year contract. He has, I think, arguably one of the best supporting casts when you look at his wide receiver, tight end, running back group, right? He had a really he had a good team last year with Metcalf and Lockett and Walker, and now you add Charbonnet, you add JSN, who I absolutely love. Um, you have Noah Fant. Right, a young developing offensive line. This offense only got better last year, and Geno Smith was already great. He's clearly undervalued right now uh, in both redraft and dynasty. 
So from a redraft standpoint, my strategy right now, uh, and this would be typical 10, 12 team uh, PPR leagues, at the quarterback position, I have two options. Uh, option one is I can target an elite quarterback. I'm probably going to pass on Mahomes just because he goes so high and the position is so deep. But if I can get a player like Josh Allen, uh, Jalen Hurts, um, even Lamar Jackson at their current ADPs, I'm not going to reach for them, but if I can get one of those three guys at where they're currently valued, I would take them there. But if I miss on any of those, I'm targeting both Richardson and Geno Smith combined uh, on the back end there um, to be one of the last ones to select my quarterback. And then if I were to miss on one and get the other, you can always uh, maybe settle for a guy like Daniel Jones uh, to kind of be your uh, backup option. But then on the dynasty side with Geno Smith, again, he's quarterback 21. If you're anywhere near contention and you have question marks about who your quarterback two is right now, he is an easy, easy target, right? You can you can float uh, uh, a future first. And again, if you're contending, we're talking a late first for Geno Smith. And maybe you get something else back, maybe like G, you know, uh, Geno uh, and a third for a first. So my first of four wide receivers that I am targeting uh, in both Dynasty and Redraft, this is my favorite of the four, is Tampa Bay wide receiver Chris Godwin. Um, all this guy d has done is produced year after year after year after year, and he is just criminally undervalued right now. He is wide receiver 25 right now in Redraft, and more criminally, he is wide receiver 31 uh, in dynasty rankings and like I said this guy has produced for the last four years his his season total uh, he was wide receiver two in 2019 when he kind of exploded on the scene he was 31st in 2020 in 12 games played 2021 16th overall 2022 19th overall now he did miss a few games in there but the games that he played he was incredibly strong if you look at uh, points per game his scoring those four seasons Second, 15th, 7th, 18th. Four straight years, he has been a top 20 wide receiver in fantasy points scored per game. And this is a guy who's drafted outside the top 20 in redraft and well outside uh, the top 20. Again, he's outside the top 30 in dynasty. And of course, the bias against Godwin, I guess it's kind of twofold. One, it's a little bit with his age. He's 27 um, and he's been around for a while. Obviously, the bigger one is going to be the fact that Baker Mayfield has been named the starter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a clear downgrade from Tom Brady. With that being said, they don't have a lot of depth at the position. His target uh, routes run, his target share, it's going to be incredibly high in this offense. Um, he's going to be the alpha. He's two years now removed uh, from the knee injury. On top of that, I think he has some positive touchdown regression coming his way. I mean, check this out. From 2019 uh, to 2022, the last four seasons, his touchdown total starting in 2019, 9, 7, 5, and 3 last season. So even if the volume of pass attempts comes down in the Tampa offense, his target share is going to be high. His route participation is going to be high. His, uh, he's likely to see positive touchdown regression. He is a clear undervalued player in ADP, one I am targeting, uh, where he's currently going in redraft. And then from a dynasty standpoint, this is a guy who's, I think, 
is already the top wide receiver on his team and I think is going to be the top wide receiver next year when you think Mike Evans, 30 years old, last year of his contract, I'll be uh, somewhat surprised if he returns uh, to Tampa Bay next year in what I think will likely be uh, a rebuilding scenario. And then they're going to have an upgraded quarterback. I I don't think Baker Mayfield is going to be the long-term answer. There's very few who think he will be. But I think the Bucs will also be in a position where Chris Godwin could be the alpha and your starting quarterback could be drafted as Caleb Williams or maybe Drake May, May, uh, two elite prospects uh, that are going to go very high, uh, not only in the NFL draft, but in uh, dynasty drafts as well. So Godwin's value is great right now at redraft. And I think he's going to continue to um, he's going to continue to appreciate in value even next year when he turns 28 uh, years old with the Bucks. Another player I am really high on in both uh, redraft and dynasty that actually goes uh, a little bit below Godwin is Steelers wide receiver Deontay Johnson. In um, dynasty, these two are actually right. Uh, next to one another, I have Godwin at wide receiver 31, Johnson at wide receiver 32. Uh, and then from a redraft standpoint, Johnson even goes uh, about a round later than Godwin. Currently late fifth, early sixth round uh, as wide receiver uh, 31. And all this guy does is command targets, right? The last three seasons... His target totals, 144, 169, 147, right? He's averaging 150 targets a year. He's rel- he's playing just about every single game. He's averaging about 1,000 yards. Obviously, I think we're all well aware of what happened last year and why he dropped so uh, precipitously uh, compared to his ADP. And the fact that, you know, he had zero touchdowns, right? His touchdown totals the last four seasons... Five, seven, eight, zero. Almost completely, I mean, it is unheard of. It's almost statistically improbable. I I honestly think you could probably throw every single stat into a computer and ask it to look at the probabilities of Deontay Johnson um, and how many touchdowns it scored. It would run, you could ask it to run a thousand simulations. I, I would be shocked if it came up with even one where he scored zero touchdowns. It, it, it's, it seems completely improbable. And he's not really a between-the-20s t- sort of guy that I think a lot of people think that he is. I mean, if you take a look at, you know, the 33rd team has a tool called The Edge. I'd highly recommend you should check it out. It's pretty cool. Uh, but I was looking at uh, just red zone totals from last season uh, across the league for all wide receivers. Deontay Johnson had 134 snaps, 18 targets, so from a target standpoint, he was tied for 14th overall for targets in the red zone. He had seven receptions, so his catch rate was actually pretty poor. I think a lot of that had to do more with the inefficiency of the offense and having a rookie quarterback in Kenny Pickett. But you can also look at a lot, you know, all these guys who are in the top 20 for red zone targets. Yeah, there's a few with three, but pretty consistently you're somewhere between four to eight receiving touchdowns on the season. And somehow Deontay Johnson, even with the high snap count, a reasonable target amount, seven receptions, still somehow ended up with zero. It's it's just nuts to me that, that this is even possible. And then you can look at the advanced metrics as, as well. He was still the alpha in the red zone, and he still somehow scored uh 
zero touchdowns, right? He had the largest target share of any Steelers last year in the red zone. He was at 28.6%, right? He, over a quarter of the red zone targets went his way. It was, it was significantly more uh, than what uh, George Pickens had. Deontay Johnson was at 28.6% target share for the Steelers last year in the red zone. Significantly more than the rest of his teammates. Fryermuth was second at 22.4. And then you have to go down significantly uh, to find George Pickens, who was only at 11.1% red zone target last year. And then we want to look at more advanced metrics. Played all 17 games. Again, this is all in the red zone. He had high snap count in the red zone, a high target share, 28.6. His average depth of target, his A dot, was reasonable at 7.9. His air yards, he was 8th in the league last year in air yards in the red zone at 150 yards. Again, it's completely improbable. Positive touchdown regression is coming to Deontay Johnson. He has had a great camp. He is the number one guy on this team. Kenny Pickett has looked great this preseason. Deontay Johnson is going to well outperform his ADP, and because of that, I think he's going to see a pretty significant bump in his dynasty value uh, come this offseason. My third wide receiver target uh, for both Redraft and Dynasty this year is Commander's second-year wide receiver, Jahan Dotson. And I like Dotson even before uh, the potential injury to Terry McLaurin occurred. We still don't officially know how long McLaurin will be out, but I suspect he might miss uh, a week or two to start the season and might even be hampered through most of the season. So I, I, I think it is a safe bet right now that Dotson could assume the number one role in that offense or at least have the highest fantasy output, if you will. Maybe not uh, the number one role, but he will have the highest uh, fantasy scoring ahead of McLaurin uh, this upcoming season. Right now, Jahan Dotson's redraft ADP is middle of the seventh round. He is wide receiver 38, which is kind of crazy. And then from a dynasty standpoint, obviously being um, second-year wide receiver, first-round pick last year, uh, he's going to rank a little bit higher, wide receiver 26 right now in dynasty is Dotson. Dotson last year came out of the gate really strong. His first four weeks, 18 points, 18 points. Week three, he had a stinker, three points. Week four, 13 points. Then he got hurt, missed most of the middle of the year, and then came back strong from week 13 on his point total 16, 20 and a half, 20, 7, and 10. And what's incredible is that he scored really well on what was actually a pretty limited route participation. I mean, in fact, that that closing five-week stretch where he scored uh, about 15 points a game, he was only averaging about 30 routes a game. So you're going to see his route participation increase this season, and I think that will correlate very strongly uh, to fantasy production. And here's what I really love about Dotson. When he played, he was great. Um, so I looked at the games that he played in, and I'm including, I'm, I am including um, those games in the middle of the year where I think he, he might have come back a little too soon, but we're going to count them. So over 40% of his games, he scored at least 15 points last season. Again, only 12 games he played in. But then I asked myself, all right, how many wide receivers in the league last year scored uh, 15 fantasy points and at least 40% of their games played. There's only 24 wide receivers in the league uh, that fit that. So, I mean, if we're talking a 
uh, a typical 12-team league, right? That that's a wide receiver two on a points per game basis scored. Uh, and now we can have a healthy Jahan Dotson. Cross our fingers. Where McLaurin now is hurt to start the year. Uh, he has been a hot topic around camp. Um, second year wide receivers, we absolutely love to target. Uh, everything is just pointing up, up, up when it comes to Dotson, a guy you're going to want to target uh, in your redraft leagues. Uh, and because of that, uh, you're going to see some very strong, I think, uh, dynasty appreciation uh, over the course of this season. And the last guy I'm targeting at wide receiver is going to be Seattle rookie Jackson Smith, Nick Jigba, JSN for short. Now, I'm recording this on August 25th. If, if next weekend we find out that JSN is going to be on IR and miss the first six weeks of the season with that wrist injury, you can probably uh, just fast forward and skip what I'm about to say here. But if, if we find out maybe he's only missing a week or two, which is what I think will happen, uh, I, I'm still very much... Uh, interested at where he is going, which is wide receiver 36 in redraft leagues. This is a guy who had a breakout age, according to player profile, below the age of 20. He's 99th percentile in agility score. Absolutely crushed his time at Ohio State uh, in 2021 as a sophomore, obviously. Last year, he only played three games due to a hamstring injury, uh, but the previous season, he had 95 receptions, 1,600 yards. Uh, he had over 20% target share. You know, he caught 85% of his passes, nine touchdowns. He was an absolute just just beast. I mean, he, he was the best wide receiver on that team, which also included Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, and then Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr. also uh, was a young guy there at that time. And JSN, the camp reports have just been gushing all over this guy. He's making plays all over the field. And I'll tell you what, if somehow you don't come away with JSN, he kind of goes in the same range as Dotson. I, I would rather just take Jahan Dotson right now in the same range. And then if JSN is injured or struggles out of the gate, which is not uncommon for rookies, um, he becomes a very easy target for you in redraft leagues uh, in that first one to three weeks of the season. Think Justin Jefferson, who... You know, who I don't even think he could get on the field the first two weeks of the season. And then obviously uh, he exploded when he did. So I think JSN is a great value at where he's currently going. His dynasty ranking is significantly higher uh, than where he is ranked right now. Uh, from a redraft standpoint, uh, interesting enough, he's actually ranked side-by-side uh, -side with fellow Seattle receiver DK Metcalf. Metcalf at wide receiver 14, JSN at wide receiver 15. So there's a lot of long-term optimism. I think people recognize just how good this guy is. Uh, I think he will be a guy who can help you on the back half of the uh, redraft season. He's clearly a guy that uh, I think can win you leagues. Um, so yeah, JSN, uh, Dotson, Deontay Johnson, and Chris Godwin, I think you can kind of see a theme here uh, from a redraft standpoint where I really love uh, to hammer the mid-round wide receivers because I think there's just so much value with these guys uh, and really trying to target more elite running backs, quarterbacks, and the top two tight ends earlier in draft and then find the value with these wide receivers in the middle. So pivoting to running backs, I have two running backs, both going... Uh, later in redraft from uh, where we were looking at with wide receivers. 
But the first one is another Commanders player, and that is Antonio Gibson entering his fourth season in the league. Gibson right now, uh, ADP of running back 35, right next to teammate Brian Robinson, who is running back 34. Both these guys going early to mid-eighth round. And then from a dynasty standpoint, Gibson running back 40. Again, very close to Brian Robinson running back 37 in dynasty. Gibson, only 25 years old. Uh, His first three seasons in the league, he's been far more productive and finished significantly higher than where he is currently ranked. Uh, Starting in 2020, his uh, full PPR finishes 13, 12, and 27 last year. Again, this is a guy who now uh, is ranked uh, running back 35. Uh, He has two seasons inside the top 15, and last year running back 27. And look, the reason we love Gibson is simply because of targets and projecting targets, right? He led the team in targets last year with 58 targets and 15 games played. J.D. McKissick also saw a pretty good number of targets. He had 40. Brian Robinson had 12. McKissick has gone. Uh, I think it's safe to assume Gibson will assume a good share of what McKissick got uh, from a target standpoint. So I think with the arrival of Eric Bieniemy uh, as the offensive coordinator, uh, J.D. McKissick now leaving. There's a lot of discussion around training camp about Gibson even getting more involved as a wide receiver out of the backfield. I think if Gibson can stay healthy, which has been a problem for him, but if he, he can stay healthy, play 15, 16, 17 games, this is a guy who could come cl- very close uh, to getting 100 targets uh, for Washington this year. Uh, that's pretty rare air, right? There was only two guys in the league last year uh, for running backs that got over 100 targets. That was Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey. I'm certainly not saying he's going to be anywhere near those guys, but... Again, Gibson right now is going in the middle of the eighth round. He has significant value. I think this is a guy you should be targeting at least a round, maybe even a round and a half earlier because the upside with the target volume he is likely to receive if he can stay healthy, I think is going to greatly uh, outperform his current ADP. And then from a dynasty standpoint, this guy's a free agent, uh, right? He, he's produced every single year. I think he's going to produce again this year. He's going to be a free agent, and perhaps uh, we can have kind of a free Antonio Gibson movement if he lands with the right team in the right situation where uh, his uh, you know, his, his snap count and everything else that comes with it, we could see a higher usage share for Gibson. So I think everything's kind of pointing up compared to where Gibson is currently going. I think it's all just upside right now with Gibson and a player you should be targeting. Uh, Currently valued early to middle eighth round and again take him about a round to a round and a half earlier. And then the last guy I want to mention is more of a handcuffing to redraft league and that's going to be Jalen Warren. He's my favorite handcuff target. uh, The backup for the Pittsburgh Steelers and he might even have some standalone value this season. Uh, right now, he's running back 48th, um, middle to late 13th round. Again, handcuffed territory. And look, uh, I think J.J. Zacharyson's done some good work on this, and you know he kind of advocates uh, when it comes to handcuff running backs. Don't target your handcuffs. Target somebody else's handcuffs. So I'm definitely not drafting Najee Harris. I have very low exposure uh, to Harris in either redraft or dynasty this season, but I have a lot of exposure uh, to Jalen Warren. He's one of my favorite handcuff targets uh, from a dynasty standpoint 
He still ranks pretty low, running back 48 uh, under the age of 25. I, I think he, you're going to see some pretty solid appreciation uh, this season with Jalen Warren. And Gosh, I, I wish I could remember who had this on Twitter, but uh, uh, I, I saw a tweet which, which was effectively like, this situation between Warren and Harris uh, kind of screams a lot uh, from two years ago with the situation with Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott uh, with the Cowboys. So uh, Warren's one of my favorite late-round targets. And just to illustrate a few points here, uh, look, some of the advanced rushing numbers with uh, Jalen Warren were much better than Najee Harris last year, right? We can just simply look at yards per carry. Jalen Warren averaged almost five yards a carry. Uh, Najee Harris was a pretty pedestrian 3.8. Um, yards before contact, much better for Warren, 2.3 to 1.3 for Harris. Warren even had a slightly better yards after contact per attempt at 2.6 to Harris's 2.5. Of course, he's a much, I think, a, a a more adequate uh, receiving back. His catch rate was at 85%. Harris was at 77%. Uh, yards per yards per route, 7.6 for Warren, 5.7 for Harris. So again, this is a pretty solid uh, standalone value at this rate, and then he could quickly accelerate, I think, into running back two territory if Harris was to miss any significant time, or quite frankly, it's possible Warren could even start to outplay Harris and really cut into his usage. So Warren's my favorite handcuff target uh, at the running back position this redraft season. And then two tight ends I like, uh, both very young, one's a rookie. Um, first one's going to be uh, Luke Musgrave, uh, second round uh, tight end for the Packers, and then the other one is Jake Ferguson, uh, of the Dallas Cowboys. Both these guys uh, are well outside the top 20 uh, in redraft rankings for tight end. Musgrave right now, tight end 25. Ferguson, tight end 27. So uh, kind of similar to my approach at the quarterback position in redraft leagues right now with tight end. If I can get one of the top two tight ends, that's my first strategy. Uh, so with Kelsey, uh, if I have the third or fourth pick and Kelsey's on the board, that's going to be my pick there. And then with Mark Andrews, um, you know, clearly tight end two. If I can get him middle to late second round, that's a quick uh, selection there. If I miss on both of those guys, I'm probably waiting pretty late, and I'm going to go heavy uh, with a lot of these rookies. You know, Sam Laporta obviously is included in that. Uh, the rookie Dalton Kincaid for the Bills, and then these two guys I like as well, Luke Luke Musgrave and Jake Ferguson. I think they're going going to inherit tight end one roles. Uh, Musgrave as a rookie, Jake Ferguson as a second round or a second year guy. On the dynasty side, Musgrave is a little bit higher, being a rookie, tight end 15. Jake Ferguson, tight end 25. He's already seen a, a fair amount of uh, appreciation uh, over the last uh, month or two. His training camp has clearly, I think, cemented him as the tight end, tight end one in Dallas. And Ferguson is kind of my, kind of like my favorite guy late in drafts right now. Um, his advanced metrics on a very small sample size small sample size last year uh, was really strong. His yards per route run was over 2, 2.1. Uh, that was one of the best in the league uh, for tight ends that had at least uh, 300 snaps played. Uh, his targets per route run were was over 25%, which is also pretty good. And then when you combine that with the fact that Dalton Schultz uh, left via free agency, I think Jake Ferguson has already cemented his spot as the tight end one. Consider what Schultz left behind, 791 snaps, 89 targets, 57 receptions, 
five touchdowns, 577 yards receiving. I mean, look at Ferguson's catch rate is ridiculous. It's 86%. Schultz was at 64% last season. So you're going to see Ferguson's uh, role in this offense, his snaps played, his target amount, uh, touchdowns, yardage, all that uh, is going to start filtering his way compared to what Schultz had last year. I think he's going to greatly outperform his ADP, and I think he'll be a fringe tight end one on the season, a guy you can get very, very late in your draft, and uh, a guy who's going to see some pretty sharp uh, dynasty appreciation as well uh, by the end of the season. So there you go. There's 10 guys uh, that I am targeting in both dynasty leagues and redraft leagues. Uh, so make sure you hit subscribe. Uh, thanks for listening uh, to episode three of the Fantasy Alchemist podcast. Uh, if you like this series, make sure you, you hit subscribe. Uh, we'll cover more uh, players who are in those other quadrants uh, here in these upcoming episodes. Try and get all those out uh, before next weekend's uh, Labor Day draft season. So this is Dustin Chandry signing off. Thank you for listening to episode three. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Alchemist podcast. You can follow the pod on Twitter at FFAlchemistPod or email us at FantasyAlchemistPodcast at gmail.com.